Reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now a reading from the letter of the Ephesians. So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets through Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. And a reading from Psalm 21. In your strength the king rejoices, O Lord, and in your help how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. He asked you for life. You gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your help. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. You bestow on him blessings forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. The word of the Lord. So these past seven weeks, we've been looking at the Beatitudes, that part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Beatitudes meaning blessings, there's nine of them, and we're looking at at Beatitude number seven, and looking at and reading an, an alternate translation of this text of Matthew 5 from the Message translation by the late Eugene Peterson is an interesting way to read the Beatitude. So let me read the Message version of these first seven Beatitudes. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. 
You're blessed when you care. For at the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. This morning, as we look at the text of blessed are the peacemakers, of what it means to to bring people together, we will discover more and more, hopefully, by the end of this sermon, more of who we are and in our, hopefully, Lord willing, daily practice of being peacemakers, that we discover more and more and more deeply what it means to be sons and daughters of God in the family of God. Let us look to the Lord in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations and thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. For it is in Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. These past seven weeks, as we've been looking at the Beatitudes in this sermon series of Jesus teaching what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, right? Where the kingdom of heaven is and how we express that. It's not so much about doing these things. It's not so much about the behaviors and attitude of, of, of mourning or of being pure in spirit as it is about exhibiting the kingdom of heaven that is already here. The rule and reign of God, how, how Jesus inhabits and dwells, resides in our hearts, in our lives, and then manifesting that, expressing that, and showing that. Now, back in the 80s, Bob Schuler of the Crystal Cathedral wrote a book on these Beatitudes, on these nine Beatitudes, and he called it the, quote, be happy attitudes, he said. And as is characteristic of Bob Schuler in his preaching, he said that the Beatitudes are about good advice, that by doing these things, we can develop our attitudes, we can develop our actions, and therefore be happy or be happier. Now, in our own day, uh, Bishop N.T. Wright, an Anglican uh, theologian and, and uh, scholar of the New Testament, wrote a book, Matthew, for everyone. And he takes issue with Bob Schuler and says, no, the Beatitudes are not good advice. They are good news. They are good news. For Jesus didn't come to make us happy. Jesus came to set us free. That what the Beatitudes are is a declaration of good news. Yes, it is. We ought to do these things. We ought to be peacemakers. We ought to uh, comfort those who mourn. We ought to thirst and hunger for righteousness. But really, at its core is, it is a declaration of good news, of what God is, of what God is about and therefore an invitation to participate in what God is about. And so it is good news because at its core, it's not so much about happiness, which depends on happenings, and happenings come and go, they're fleeting. Peace is linked to joy. Peace is not dependent upon happenings and circumstances. In fact, peace grounded in God helps us to navigate through the circumstances 
and the happenings. Pastor Chris Tuttle shares this uh, funny story about his grandmother-in-law, an inside family joke about the passing of the peace. Now, we all here in Village Church love passing of the peace. I love passing of the peace, right? If we could have our way, we would have passing of the peace the whole hour, the whole service. I love passing of the peace. Well, Pastor Chris Tuttle says that his grandmother-in-law, who they call Nana, who's Presbyterian, perhaps it's because she's Presbyterian, she would rather just enter the sanctuary in the little small congregation and just sit down without speaking a word to anyone. And when Nana comes to visit, she sees that the passing of the peace, it drives her crazy. It drives her crazy because she can't understand why is it that people leap all over the pews, they're joking and laughing and talking to each other, sharing germs, <laughs> when they should, in proper Presbyterian fashion, just sit in their place. And when she visits, she asks him with a smile, you aren't going to pass a peace today again, are you? But think about the passing of the peace and about peacemaking. Passing of the peace is so important because not only are we saying a word of peace of Christ be with you, but all the nonverbal gestures of looking our neighbor in the eye, maybe hugging them, maybe doing a, a fist bump or an elbow bump, right? Maybe offering that word of great to see you or I don't know your name. Can you say your name for me? It's, it's that right word that is a soothing balm in Gilead on a Sunday morning that perhaps someone needs to hear because they didn't get that promotion that they thought that they deserved. Or maybe they're coming back after a two-week illness and to hear a church member or congregant say, peace to you. Perhaps you're offering that word of peace or that hug for a parent who encountered their child passing curfew and found something that wasn't supposed to be in their coat pocket, or perhaps a middle-aged regret, or whatever might be the case that life throws at us, being peacemakers in our midst. And so we gather together hearing the call to be blessed are the peacemakers, but boy, it is so difficult. It is so difficult because imagine, and I'm sure that you relate with me, the Thanksgiving feast of your family, the Christmas parties, or for those of you, hopefully all of you got my Friday e-blast message this past Friday when I shared about my crazy Filipino family, the large Filipino family that is in many different countries, over 200, 75% of them I've met. The other 25% I've heard of, but 75% is enough. <laughs> and the half of the 75% that I know, crazy. And I include myself in that, in that pool. Imagine gathering your uncles and aunts and grandmother, Uncle Bob and Aunt Mary, and oh, they don't get along, and they're just so weird and you add beer and wine to the family party, forget it. Come to a, to a Filipino party, or maybe your own party, and the truth serum comes out. <laughs> Been there, done that, many, many times. Being a peacemaker, you know and I know it, requires patience 
requires prayer, requires tough love. It's a hard thing to do. But yet these texts that Laura read from Matthew, Ephesians, and Psalm 21 really amplifies why is it we need to be peacemakers, how to do it, and why we need to keep on keeping on. Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew, among the four Gospels, has a particular agenda. Mark has an agenda. Luke has an agenda. John has an agenda. Matthew is remarkable because its particular agenda is to exhibit the kingdom of heaven in order to show that we are in the kingdom. You got that? Take out the G from kingdom and you get kingdom. Kin. We are kin, K-I-N, one to another. We are family, one to another. Jesus will teach many parables about the presence of the kingdom of heaven and, and, and God discovering and we discovering who's in the kingdom of heaven. Well, Matthew and Ephesians and Paul's letters are preoccupied with this notion of who is in the kingdom of heaven, particularly the relationship of Jews and Gentiles. Those in Israel, the house of David, and those who are not. And the common understanding of, well, those who are not born in Israel or those who have not been around us, think of those, all the lists of all the Old Testament tribes, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the, and the, and the Hivites and all the ites, all those, all the tribes, all of those, how do they belong? How do they belong in the family? How are we to understand that the promises of God have always been for all people? And those apostles, including the apostle Peter, who was hard-nosed until the apostle Paul set him right in the power of the Spirit, they were hard-nosed and, and, and stiff-necked, saying, no, 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 no. The Gentiles, those who are not of us, belong over there, and we belong over here. In the temple, in the, in the rituals, and in the laws of, of what our matriarchs and patriarchs have taught us. And so that's why the apostle Paul in this Ephesians text, and in other of his letters, is persevering and saying, no, you were once strangers, Gentiles. But no longer. You are citizens. Come on in. Come on in because your belongingness in the family is on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. All of you belong. Why? Because, as the text says, you all, we all have access to the Father through Jesus Christ in the Spirit. You all belong. And therefore, we need to keep on keeping on in sharing the love of God in demonstrating to each other hospitality, generosity, putting the Hawaiian lays on each other and saying aloha, welcome to the family. And what does that look like to the outside world who's watching a people who says, we love God, we love Jesus, we are loved by God, we are loved by Jesus, therefore let's come together in the kingdom of God to demonstrate the kingdom of God. So we know that's what the scripture says, right? Blessed are the peacemakers. Let's make peace. Let's reconcile together. But we have a problem. And here's the problem. Many, many years ago when I um, met the Lord, or the Lord met me, 
I was a high school student and then went off to the University of California, Davis. And I made a deal with God. As a young, immature Christian, I said, Lord, I will serve you if you will help me to read your scriptures from cover to cover. Because I was part of a Bible study, a young adult uh, Bible study. I was like 17 years old, and all the other members of this Bible study on Friday night were in their 20s and early 30s, and I wanted to learn so that I could be able to talk about scriptures in some some, uh, comprehensible way. It took about two or three years to to read the scriptures, and it was hard, especially, you know, Leviticus and Numbers and all the rest. Well, when I got to this text in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Maybe it was because my my eyes were, were getting tired after study, you know, by year two or so, and after reading all my poli sci books, I skipped over the first E in peacemaker. And so I read it as, blessed are the pacemakers. (laughs) Oh, blessed are the pacemakers. Okay, blessed are the pacemakers. And I just kept going. But then I stopped. I said, why is it blessed are the pacemakers? And as I thought about it, the scriptures and the Beatitudes are about the heart, aren't they? Amen. Right, John? That blessed are the pacemakers because at its core, the scriptures speak to the heart. And in order for us to be peacemakers, our hearts, yours and mine, and the entire world, our hearts need to beat after the rhythm and heart of God. Right? Our hearts need a transplant. We need a major transplant. Because when we hear the words, blessed are the peacemakers, we're like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to deal with my family. Or Lord, this world is just so messed up, I'd rather just pull the covers over my head and leave it to others who are called to be peacemakers because there's just so much violence, so much conflict, so much strife, I don't know how to do it. Right, so we get analysis paralysis. Or peacemakers just require so much, and I don't have it. I don't have the time. I don't have the will. I'm just plain tired, whatever might be the case. And that's why we are needing, blessed are the pacemakers, for our hearts are needing some new perspective. How is it that we can be peacemakers in a way where are the time that we do have, the gifts that we do have, where we are, regardless of age, regardless of circumstances, how can we bear witness to peacemaking to the one who is peace? And so we ask ourselves, so how is it then that, that Jesus, that by his life, death, resurrection, transplants a new heart? And so Psalm 21. Now I said at the first service, and I'm going to say it here, Our senior pastor is quite wise. We all know that. We're quite wise. And Pastor Jack uh, gave to uh, Pastor Jan and I, uh, Jedi Jan and I, the uh, sermon series for this sermon. And he gave us text. He gave us a text. And 
uh, Jack asked me to preach on this one. So he gave Matthew 5, which is the Beatitudes. Ephesians 2, pretty straightforward. But then Psalm 21 came out from left field. Like, wait, Psalm 21. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago when, you know, when I was reading Psalm 21, I was saying, what was Jack thinking when he assigned Psalm 21? Because Psalm 21 is not so obvious in the peacemaking business. If you look at Psalm 21, if you look at Psalm 21, it is a psalm of David that praises God, the Lord Almighty, for many different things. Then it dawned on me last week, Jack, you're so wise. Lord Jesus, thank you for Jack, and thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Spirit. Because Psalm 21 is a community lifting praises to God for God who heard the prayers of King David and all the kings. And essentially, the psalm is saying this, Lord, thank you for helping our king. Lord, thank you for hearing the heart's desire of our king. Lord, thank you for crowning him with a crown of glory and gold, majesty and honor. What if that king is King Jesus? And what is it if the community says, praise God, praise God, Heavenly Father, that you heard the desires of our King Jesus? Well, what is the desires of King Jesus? To bring together all of creation in his love. Thank you, God, for crowning our king with glory and honor, majesty. Well, who is that king? Thank you, God, for crowning your son, Jesus, King Jesus, with glory and honor. Thank you, God, for blessing our king. Thank you, God, for giving victory to our king over his enemies. Well, who is the, what are the enemies of King Jesus? Sin, death, and evil. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for granting victory to King Jesus because we are now free to love and to share that peace and Jesus as our Prince of Peace. And so the point of these Beatitudes is this. Blessed are the peacemakers, therefore, because blessed is the peacemaker, the Prince of Peace. Blessed are the pure in heart, because blessed is the one who is pure in heart. The one who is so laser-focused on his heavenly Father's heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because blessed is the one who was poor in spirit, to the point of going to the cross. Blessed are those, as we saw previously, who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, because blessed is the one who thirsted for his Father's righteousness to be revealed. And blessed are those who mourn, because blessed is the one who mourns with us and who weeps with us and who says at the cross with mourning tears, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the one who wept for his dear friend Lazarus. From time to time, I come to uh, the chancel, and um, there's only two crosses that I wear. One is the uh, cross that I was given at my ordination as a pastor many years ago. And from time to time, I wear this particular cross. This is a cross that the new members 
have seen all the new member classes. This is a replica of the uh, moderator's cross where seven years ago when I met Jack at the uh, General Assembly in 2012, I was elected moderator of the General Assembly and was given the original of these crosses. And this is a replica when I finished my term and joined you all here at Village Church. These three crosses come from the uh, Scottish island of Iona. Back in the 50s when we, our Presbyterian family, was split into many different segments. We Presbyterians like to fight and come back together, fight and come together. That's our storied history. And the prayer back then in the 50s and throughout since the Civil War was that those three denominations and three church families would one day get together. And in 1958 in Pittsburgh, two of those northern churches came together. And so these two cross, two of the crosses were brought together in hopes then that the third one, the southern church, would come together. And in 1983 in Atlanta, Georgia, the southern church joined the northern church to what is today the Presbyterian Church USA. We certainly are far from perfect. But this is a visible reminder of the power of reconciliation and how fragile peace is. But it's also a powerful symbol of the cross and the price paid in order for us to be together. Friends, as we go and tomorrow is another tomorrow and another week, might it be that we would be peacemakers sharing forth in our words, in our witness, in our hugs, in being there for each other, for our neighbors, the powerful witness, right, that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is the one who gave us peace through him in the Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your love for us in Jesus Christ through the Spirit. Now you call us, O Lord, to be peacemakers because in Jesus you are the King and Prince of Peace. Might we, O Lord, offer that witness through our words, through our life, to our very presence that you are with us and that we are sons and daughters of yours in the family of God. We pray these things in the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.